I'm excited about Thanksgiving, though. Thanksgiving, when I talk about Thanksgiving, when I think about Thanksgiving, a few things come to mind for me. Like when I think Thanksgiving, I think food. I think food. Like, I'm thinking turkey, I'm dressing, the vegetables, and all that stuff. I brought some photos to show you. Um, this is just when I think Thanksgiving, I'm thinking stuff like this. Just bam. That looks good. If I could grab a fork and just dive into that screen, I think I would do it. You know, because the food is good. But what really gets me going, because I'm like a little kid at heart, like a Thanksgiving time, what really gets me going for it is like all the desserts that sometimes come with Thanksgiving. You got the pies and the cakes and the, oh my goodness, pecan pie, pumpkin pie, apple pie. How many of y'all like pecan pie? Yeah, yeah pumpkin pie. Apple pie, because that's just American, right? right? Apple pie with ice cream. I knew one guy who put cheddar cheese on his apple pie. I heard, yeah? Oh, you got to help me understand that, because I don't get that at all. Why would you ruin beautiful apple pie with cheddar cheese? But I guess that's the thing, and, and people like it. That's not my thing. Uh, Thanksgiving, after you eat and after you've had dessert, though, how many of y'all like watching football on Thanksgiving? During the yeah, I saw football's good. I love watching them play. I love watching the Lions get beat pretty much every year on Thanksgiving Day. I think the Falcons are playing on Thanksgiving this year. I might be wrong on that, but I think they are. Are they playing the team that we shall not speak the name of on Thanksgiving? They're playing the Saints. Yeah. So, Lord, please let the Falcons win on Thanksgiving Day. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know that he cares about it, but it doesn't hurt to pray, right? doesn't hurt to pray and ask for it. Thanksgiving Day, football's always fun. A lot of times, though, when family gets together, how many of y'all play games on Thanksgiving? Y'all play board games, card games? Um, yeah, we get together and we play games a lot. Sometimes we find ourselves playing this game called Phase 10. Phase 10 is awesome. It's awesome and it's terrible all at the same time because it's like you start out and like the, the things you have to get with the cards, like a set of this and a run of this are like easy. But as the game progresses, it's like some sick and twisted person took over and they were like, no, you've got to get two sets of the same kind of cards. So two sets of four of the same card. That's the devil right there. Like you could just kill it the whole game and just sit on that one thing. While everybody catches up and passes you. You know, it's just it's insane. So we used to play Risk a lot uh, during, like, Thanksgiving and Christmas. But we had to take that off the agenda because that caused too many civil wars in the family. <laughs> that was not good. Because family games can get heated sometimes, right? Ooh. Like, you're playing a game of rummy, and next thing you know, you're bringing up junk that happened when you were seven years old. You know? It all just comes together. But if you look on this picture... You got the cards, you got the box, and then there's this little card right here that says Phase 10, and it's white, and it's got a list of all the things you're supposed to get to move forward in the game. It's a rule card that tells you what comes next. Sometimes when we're playing this game, or some, I'll say it, sometimes when we play any game, my wife... Y'all are laughing because y'all know where I'm going with it. My wife will suddenly have this great idea, and she'll come up with better rules than the game rules. 
Like, y'all have somebody like that in your family that does that? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know it says to play it like this, but let's do it this way. You know, like, let's change it up. I know we're supposed to get, you know, seven cards of the same color. That's silly. Let's just get, you know, six of one and then one of a different color. Or, you know, if we're playing uh, rummy, she'll change things up. And I guess it's just her gift. I don't know. She just loves to do it. But it's kind of become infamous. Like, we'll call it Kelly Rules. Like, you got the game rules, and then you got Kelly rules. Like, if y'all are friends with me on Facebook or, you know, we're, we're following each other on Instagram, you'll see every once in a while I'll throw up a picture of a card game, and I'll say, pray for me, Kelly rules are in effect. That means she's trying to change some stuff <laughs> and, and work things. I'm not saying she tries to work things to her favor all the time, but a lot of times it works out that way. But she changes the rules up a lot. And my sweet, beautiful, innocent wife, will turn into this politician just like that. And she'll say, well, I know, but wouldn't it be better if we just did it like this? And you'll hear her say these few words that she'll say. She'll say, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like in a conversation, it like wipes out everything else and it makes everything okay. You know, I'm just saying, it makes it's kind of like bless your heart in the South. Like, you say, oh, bless your heart, and bless your heart means a whole lot of different things. Well, I'm just saying, kind of erases the whole conversation, and she makes her little case that she's presenting that much better. Well, I think we should change the rules. No, that's crazy. No, I'm just saying it would be a lot better if we did it like this. And she waves her hand and does this Jedi mind trick, and everybody's like, I don't know. Maybe it would be better. I'm not sure. And then she, she's really good at convincing. How many of y'all played a game with my wife? And seeing this actually happen in person, we're, look at all the hands sneaking up in the church right now. Y'all know it's a thing when a lot of the church is like, yep, 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 she's done it. We've seen it. So yeah, pray, pray for the integrity of my wife. Um, pray for the, oh, did I go too far? Okay, I'll back up. I'll back up a little. Pray, pray for my beautiful wife who is sweet and beautiful in all of her ways. And I love so it's just cute though when you do it. Like I know I do silly things too, but she's just got this thing, um, Kelly rules. It's so funny. But I was thinking about it though. Yeah, um, like God gives us His word. It's kind of like a a rule book for the game of life that we're in. If you want to call life a game, you know He He gives us that. But. How many of y'all have lived long enough to know that there's a lot of curves and a lot of twists and a lot of turns on the road to life? And sometimes, I don't know if you guys have done this before, but I've done this in my life where I've kind of just jumped in and tried to make up my own rules and do my own thing. Y'all done that before? Like just jump in and like apply Kelly rules to life. And apply my rules to come in and, and supersede the rules that God has already set up and how things are supposed to flow and operate. And how many of you guys know that when we do that, it complicates stuff? It causes a lot of problems. It causes a lot of issues that God never intended for us to go through. And so what it does is it causes a lot of clutter in our lives that doesn't need to be there. Doesn't need to be there. Listen, God doesn't want you to live a life that's stressed out. God doesn't want you to live a life that's overwhelmed. And he doesn't want, to, want you to live a life that's defeated by situations and circumstances that you face. But a lot of times when we try to blaze our own trail, we put ourselves in positions that compromise 
the joy, the peace, and the overcoming spirit that God wants us to operate in. Have you seen that in other people's lives? Like, I've seen it. I've been guilty of it sometimes with me, so it's not like I'm preaching at you. I'm kind of sharing with you and walking through this uh, message with you today. So maybe at the end of this, we can land on some solid ground on how we can avoid those pitfalls. And Jesus gave some really good advice on doing this. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, um, he's on the side of this mountain talking to a bunch of people and he drops this truth bomb on them. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. How many of y'all know each day has got enough trouble of its own? My goodness, there are some days that you just wish would end a lot, e- like, a lot faster. Because it's like, if I go anywhere else or do anything else, I just don't want to see one more thing fall apart in my life. I just hit pause, freeze, I'm not going to move. Let's let the sun set, and maybe tomorrow will be a little bit better. Um, Jesus is looking at these people, and he had been talking before this verse about worry and about the things like me and you, so many of us, run around and try to make happen in our lives. He's like, look, he's talking about um, providing for, he was talking about providing for your family and taking care of things and making sure you got clothes to wear and, and all the stuff that we all scurry around trying to make sure happen for ourselves and for our families. And he says, listen, guys, I've been watching you. Like if he was going to sit down on this, like stand up on the stage and talk to us today, he would say, look, I've been watching what you guys are doing. And I've been seeing how you run around trying to take care of this thing and try to take care of that thing and and how you're worried about this and worried about that and working yourself silly trying to make sure that this is provided for and that's taken care of. I'm watching you guys run around and do all of those things. Listen, let's put put an end to all of that right now. I'm going to give you something that is going to set you free and change your whole perspective on this because I don't want, it's not my heart or my desire to see you overwhelmed or stressed out or worrying about what's going to happen in your life or worried about what's going to happen tomorrow or how you're going to get fed or taken care of or how the bills are going to get paid or how the kids are going to make it through school because it doesn't matter how hard they study, they still get C's, D's, and F's. You know, little things like that. He, he, he would say, guys, listen, I'm going to give you a secret that will simplify everything. Because, you know, God's approach to us is just simple. We do a good job of complicating what God made simple in Scripture for us to do. And Jesus says, look, if you will just, if you will just seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, then all that stuff that you're stressed out and worried about will take care of itself. It'll work itself out. And a lot of people, when you talk to them in church world, okay, this is going to be church world, you talk to them, um, and you say, hey, What's the priority list for your life? Like, we'll take Matthew 6, and we'll say, yeah, God first, his kingdom first, and then we tear out different levels of things that we give responsibility to in our lives. Like, God is always first, and then next you got family, and then if you've done anything in church for any amount of time, you'll say, God, family, then ministry, or his calling on your life, and then 
after all of those things, then you give, you give priority to your job, um, hobbies, all the distractions and all the things that, that come into life. Those get your focus and your priority after that. So we'd say God first, fa- family, ministry. Because I've seen way too many ministers put ministry out of balance and then lose their families and have great successful ministries. And that's never God's heart, ever, ever, ever. Um, God, family, ministry or calling. And really, ministry and calling connect to God. And then you got all these work, hobbies, distractions, and all that. And that's how we think a lot. I like For me, for a long time, that's what I thought you were supposed to do. And that's how you were supposed to tear out your life with priorities. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. That's not what Jesus is saying here at all. In fact, if you look at Matthew 6, verse 33... And you begin to dig, dig, like dig into this. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. What Jesus is saying here is kind of like a principle of first. In that he's saying, I don't want to be tiered out as number one in a list of priorities. What I'm saying is, is that you seek first my kingdom, my righteousness. Kingdom is my will or my agenda. Righteousness is becoming like me. Seek out, the de- have the desire to become like me and be righteous like I am. To get to the place in your walk with me where when people look at you, they see a reflection of me and what you say and what you do. If you seek my agenda and my will and you seek uh, the, being an image of my righteousness in your life, That's what he's saying. He's saying, I don't want that just to be the top tier of your priority. He's saying, I want that to be the priority in every area of your life. Because sometimes a lot of us think, God here, and then we deal with the real world and the problems and the stuff that we got to face. Jesus isn't saying this. He's saying, I want you to seek me first in every area of your life. Every area. I want to be the core and foundation of your life. And I want to be an outer rim filter for things that come into your life. So that everything in your life flows out of your relationship with God. So when you approach your marriage, in your marriage you're seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And applying the truth of his word to that area of your life. In your work, it's not something you do after you give time to God. No, you bring your relationship with God and your service to God into what you do on the job. And you approach your job seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. In, in relationships, dating relationships, friendships, everything, everything that you do, you put him first in every area of your life. Not just some philosophical God that you believe in and then you operate in the real world. No, you put his principles and your relationship with him into everything that you do. And he says if you do that, if you will do that, and it's almost like he was using sock puppets to talk to the people on the side of the mountain. He was like, if you will do what my father has asked you to do, And if you will be obedient to the rule book that he's given you to help guide you in life, 
to help you avoid the pitfalls and the traps. It's almost like he's doing this because he's breaking it down so simple. If you will just do this, really? Yeah, if you will just do this and seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and if you will get so close in your relationship with the Father that you establish a strong sense of trust in him, yeah, when the storms of life hit, you're not going to get shaken and rattled and try to do stuff on your own. You're just going to trust in him. Holy smokes, that's amazing. I know. It's amazing. I can't, it's just unbelievable how simple this is. I know. It's so easy. I had no idea. I've been making things way too complicated. Well, don't do it. Seek him first in every area of your life. And that doesn't mean you got to be perfect, but that your heart is to please God in everything that you do and that you are applying biblical principle to every area of your life and you're allowing your relationship with God to get to such a place that you are reflecting his righteousness in your life so that when that trouble comes, because look, trouble's going to be out there. The same Jesus that said he'll take care of all that stuff that we're going to be dealing with also said, hey, there's going to be trouble that's going to come too. And then he said, don't worry about it. I've overcome the world. What Jesus is saying here is if you apply the truth to your life and you focus on your relationship with me, then you'll operate in my peace and in my blessing and in my provision because you'll be moving in step with my call for your life in obedience to my word in close relationship to me and all this stuff that you're worrying about, and all this stuff that you're freaking out about, and all this stuff that's dominating your thought process, all this stuff I've seen you guys running around trying to take care of. Listen, my dad, your father in heaven, will take care of it if you're moving in step with where he wants you to be in your life and in your walk with him. It can't get any more simple than that. That's what he's saying. Seek him first and his righteousness. And then all of that stuff will work itself out. And even if you're walking through a tough time, you'll be at a place in your relationship with God where you have got a foundation of trust to know that he's working it out so you don't freak out and try to make things happen on your own. You don't lose sleep at night worrying about how the bills are going to get paid. You don't lose sleep at night worrying about what's going to happen with the family. You know that if you're moving where God wants you to go and doing what God wants you to do and you're in relationship with him, he is going to make sure that the provision is there, that the doors are open, that the way is open, and things are going to happen. You don't have to freak out over it. God's got it. Simple. Simple. I got a question, though. I mean, with it being that simple, this is just a good question. If, if God is, God's plan is always better than our plan, why do we sometimes mess things up before trusting him and doing it his way? Like on the back end, because they say like hindsight's always twenty twenty. Like on the back end of me having a better idea than God on how to fix the problems in my life, like I always look back and I go, why? Why, why didn't I just trust God in the beginning? Why didn't I just, why didn't I just, walk it all out instead of stressing myself out over something that was going to resolve itself eventually anyway, you know? Uh, why do we do that? Why do we do that? You know, we've always done that. Like, as, a, as humans, we've always done that. If you look back 
At, at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, we were jacking stuff up. Like we had the perfect environment, a beautiful garden that God had created. And he said, look, maintain the garden. Do what I've asked you to do over here. You can eat fruit from all these trees. You're going to be provided for, taken care of. You can run around naked and have fun. It sounds awesome. And it's, I guess it would be a little weird now, but back then I guess it was okay. Um, all the stuff I've done, just don't eat the fruit from that tree over there. What do we do? Yeah. Here we go. Right there, you know. Every time we find a way where we think we have a better idea than what God has established, and it opens up trouble for our lives every time. Every time. I think we walk through seasons that we don't have to walk through sometimes. I know I have. I've gone through difficulties that I didn't have to go through that I could have avoided if I had just applied the truth of the word of God and stayed strong in my relationship with him and just trusted him to work it all out as I move in obedience one step at a time. Because it's just that simple. It's just that simple. But I found over time in ministry that there's a difference. There's a different mindset that sits in people in church. And it's probably represented in this congregation here today. Like, there's a lot of people that believe in God, but they have a hard time trusting him in their lives. Uh, most people in church, if you say, do you believe in God? They'll say, yeah, I believe in God. Well, do you trust him in your life? And most people will say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you look at the fruit of the decisions that are in their lives, you don't see it. Because a lot of people believe in God, but they don't trust. They don't trust when times get tough. They don't trust when things don't go their way. Because our tendency is to what? We freak out, grab the reins, try to make stuff work, stress ourselves out, carry this, the weight of the situation that we're not supposed to, to carry. And it doesn't mean that we're not responsible and do what we're supposed to do. But it just means that we're carrying that weight that God never intended for us to carry. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Well, the short answer is this. It's hard to trust somebody that you don't know that well. You know, I don't know how it works in your world, but if I don't know you that well, I ain't trusting you that much. Like, I'll give you a little, a little ground to prove one way or the other. Most people sit in this, in this place and they're walk with God where they're about this deep in the level of intimacy they have and their walk with God. Time in the Word, time in prayer, time just sitting in the presence of God and allowing Him to change us from the inside out, you know, and getting to know Him and allowing Him to move in our lives. A lot of people don't give place to that, so they can't have that level of trust that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 6. When that stuff comes in, it's not there, so we freak out and try to fix stuff on our own. We get ourselves in a lot of trouble. I mean, let's be honest. The devil doesn't need a whole lot of help when it comes to jacking up our life, does he? He really doesn't. Um, the majority of like, what, what you would call sin issues that people deal with are vices in their lives or addictions in their lives, like drugs or alcohol or even people that are just in relationships quicker than the, the one that, like they'll jump into one before the one they're in is over with. You know, those kind of people, they're just um, people that um, are 
they, they use sex as a release. You know, people that, that are addictive in their personalities, people that use these things to escape, people that are addicted to porn. Um, fill in the blank on what kind of drug. Most of these people, almost all of these people, struggle and deal with these vices and struggle and deal with the sin. Most of the sin that people take the bait on in life is because we are trying to escape from the pressure of our life and the stress that we're under. And God never intended for us to operate under any of it. He never intended for us to operate under any of it. And, and sometimes I want to say to people, look, if you would just, and, and it's so hard, because I know it's easy to say and it's hard to do, because sometimes even as a pastor, I have to hit the brakes and stop and say, man, I'm doing it again. I need to let go of this and just do what I know the Bible says to do and respond the way that I'm supposed to and just focus on my walk with God and be responsible with the things that I can handle and trust him to take care of this, the rest of the stuff and, and, and just let it go. I know it's easier to say that than to do it sometimes, but I want to look at people and say, God, you are burning your candle out over stuff that you were never intended to carry. Let it go. Focus on your relationship with God. Well, I can't just, no, it is just that simple. It is just that simple to apply the word of God to your life and to focus on your relationship with God and let his peace carry you through and watch the truth of his word work in your life. It's just that easy. Um, Proverbs chapter 3. And when Jesus is talking in Matthew, he's actually kind of quoting a principle that's in Proverbs 3. And I want to go through this with you this morning because uh, it's, it's very important. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to pick it apart. Proverbs 3, looking at verses 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Simple enough, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust him with all of your heart. You only get to that place out of relationship with him. You only get to that place out of relationship with him. Um, hey, girl. What you doing? You're looking good this one. This is my wife, by the way. I don't just do this randomly. If you're a guest this morning, this is my wife. Her name is Kelly. She looks awesome. And uh, did you think twice when you sat down in that chair on whether or not it was going to hold you up, or did you just sit down in it? And you just sat down and you knew. Mm, that's right. Did anybody this morning, when you sat down in your chairs, have a second thought about whether or not it was going to hold you up, or did you just sit down naturally and say, it's going to hold me. I know we got some older chairs in here. Some of them are limping a little bit. This might not be the best illustration. <laughs> but, but most of us, I'd say just about all of us, when you sat down in your chair, the thought never crossed your mind that this thing is going to hold me up. Why? Because it always has. You know? It always, unless you just had a bad experience with a chair somewhere in your life, which maybe you have, you know, so now you check chairs before you sit in them. Most people, you're not, you're not going to freak out and go, oh, my gosh. Okay. 
Got the chair. All right. Everybody else sat down. It looks okay. All right, here we go. I'm going in. I'm going in. I'm going. Oh, dear God, it's moving. Okay, good. All right. It's good. Most of us didn't do anything like that when you sat down. You know, we're trusting in these chairs right now. Next week after Thanksgiving, we're going to be trusting in these chairs a whole lot more than we are this week because some of us are going to be carrying a little, little extra. You know what I noticed, though? Nobody in here this morning is sitting in your chair and doing this right here. Trying to hold the chair up while you're sitting in it. Boy, it looks like I really got to go to the bathroom right now, doesn't it? My goodness. Nobody's looking like that. Nobody's trying to hold your chairs up because that'd be silly, wouldn't it? Listen, why do we stress ourselves out trying to hold stuff together that God has firmly established in our lives? You know what I mean? Like we wear ourselves out. If you went through a whole service trying to hold your chair up and make things happen and hold things together, everybody else would look at you like you were a little cuckoo because everybody else knows the chair can handle the weight. Listen, God can handle the weight of your life. God can handle the weight of your situations. God can handle the weight of your circumstances. A lot of times we emotionally destroy ourselves and physically destroy ourselves because we are wearing ourselves out trying to hold together something that God has got right here in the palm of his hands. And there's no issue with it. It's just our perception of what we think we need to do because we don't trust in him with all of our heart. It's a trust issue. And you don't trust people that you don't know that well. Lean not on your own understanding. (laughs) This is a tough one. This is a tough one for me because when I see issues and problems in my life, I see them from my perspective. I see them from my understanding. And I want to fix them based on my knowledge of how things work and how things operate and what I feel like would be best for my life. How many of you know that God's perspective isn't the same as ours? He sees it from a whole different plane. He's got a whole new level of understanding. In fact, there's so many times in Scripture where our understanding and our wisdom in this world is almost made fun of in the Bible in comparison to how God operates. He got to be God because he's good at it. He's good at what he does. He's really good at what he does. I used to have this dog. Kelly and I had this dog. And it was a... It was a, a husky, a Siberian husky and Malamute mix. Yeah, it's a gorgeous dog. It had these really cool blue eyes that looked kind of hollow, like it would look like it would stare through you, and it almost like, like it would get up and look at you, and you'd feel like you're getting stared at by a wolf, so it was like freaky and cool all at the same time, you know? So I wanted to give it a cool name because I knew when this dog grew up, he was going to be a beast. Like, that's just going to be the man of a dog. Like, he's... So I named him Maximus. I was like, yeah, my boy, my dog. And that's before we had kids. Maximus. Maximus didn't grow into his name, though. 
we, we, people started making fun of him because he literally would almost get scared of his own shadow. He would like whimper and, and all this stuff, and he would yelp and whine. And, and even as he got older, he was just like this pathetic little fear ball. So we started calling Maximus Minimus. <laughs> it was bad. But we would work a lot, and we, we had him on this real long runner in our backyard because we didn't have a fenced-in yard. And I didn't want him freaking out because he was scared of a squirrel and take off running and get hit by a car. You know, so we, we, we had this runner and we had this long uh, cable that came off of it so he could have access to most of the backyard. Um, but this goofy dog would find a way, even though he had access to most of the yard, he would find a way to get wrapped up around the same goofy little tree in the yard. I'm like, dude, the tree don't move. Why? I don't understand. And so there was one time I would go out, I went out there, and he had gone around the tree once already, and I knew what was fixing to happen. You know? So I walked over to him, and I grabbed the cable, and I was going to try to pull him back around. How many of y'all have ever done this with a dog? I'm going to try to pull the dog back around the tree so he could be loose and be a dog and run and have freedom and be happy and all this stuff. Well, the, the dumb dog started fighting against me. I'm like, bro, come on. And the dog's like, eh, digging in his feet. Don't want anything to do with it. I'm like, are you serious? You've done this like a thousand times. I know what's fixing to happen. I'm trying to help you out. And you're like, dark, 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 dark. And like digging. People are going to think I'm beating my dog. So I just stop him. I said, fine. You don't want to do it? Fine. I just let him alone. See, my perspective in that situation was different from his perspective. Because I knew what was fixing to happen. But in his mind, I don't know what that dumb dog was thinking. That's what he was thinking. You know, I don't want anything to do with it. So I go back in the house. A couple of hours later, I come back out. and go into the backyard. And you know what's happened? Mr. Genius himself has wrapped himself around this tree so many times that he's like right by this little sapling of a tree with like maybe that much. I don't know why he didn't think at this point, hey, this rope's getting a little bit smaller. Maybe I need to stop. No, he got right here. And he's sitting by this tree. Can't go anywhere. And he sees me walk into the yard. Now he wants help. Now he wants Josh to come bail him out and get him. I can't move, can't do anything. Please come help me. You know, and I was thinking while I was preparing for this, how many times in our lives do we do the same thing with God, though? Where we start to get into something, and God comes in either through his word or somebody else, or he's speaking to us and says, look, you need to put on the brakes and stop and go back the other way and walk in the freedom that you have instead of focusing on this and getting caught up in it. And what we do so many times, we go around and around and around in circles and resist what God wants to do in our lives till we get to the point where we're backed up in a corner and we can't go anywhere else and we can't do anything else and life is just coming in on top of us. And then we scream out, God, please help me! Because we're wrapped around that tree. You don't have to go there. You don't have to go there. When we lean on our own understanding, we're like that dog because we don't operate with the same perspective that God has. And we create a lot of problems in our lives that we don't have to go through.
and we walk under a lot of pressure. I know I keep saying this, but this is what's so heavy in my spirit for you guys this morning. We walk under so much pressure and stress that we were never intended to walk with, and we're worrying and wearing ourselves out, trying to figure out the next 20 steps of our life when God is just saying, stop and trust me with this one right here. And if you trust me with this one right here, I'll get you where I'm trying to take you. But you got to trust me with the next step. Our understanding is not, not the same as God's. He's a whole lot smarter. And here's why. Here's why. Because he's omnipotent, he's omniscient, and he's omnipresent. Anybody else in, in here got that going for you this morning? Like, you're omnipotent. Uh, that means you're all-powerful. Like, there's nothing you can't do. Uh, you're omniscient. You're all-knowing. Like, you know the answer. Like, some of you were like, sometimes my wife thinks no. Sometimes my husband thinks no. It, omniscient. Like, you know the answer to everything, every time. And omnipresent, you're everywhere all at once. Anybody got that going for you? I just want to make sure because I want to hang out with you if you got it. <laughs> Nobody. See, God is all-powerful, and he's all-knowing, and he's all-present. What does that mean? That means, listen now, that means that there's nothing we're going to face in our lives that he isn't going to know how to handle and work out and fix. Nothing. He knows the answers. And better than just knowing the answers, he's powerful enough to make the solution come to pass. He's not like one of those people you work with that's got the answers to everything, but they never follow up on it. Well, if it were up to me, this is what I'd do. This is how I'd fix America. This is how I'd do this. But then they don't have the power to back up their ideas. You know, God can back up the knowledge that he has. Okay, we're talking about a God that established the universe that we are existing in right now. The planets, the gravitational pulls, everything. We're talking about a God that established the ecosystems of this earth in perfect balance. We're talking about the God that created us, the God that gave the inspiration for everything that we see in this world. We're talking about the God that did all of that, and we're wondering whether or not he can help us pay our power bill. Are you joking me? He created the sun. He created the power. We're wondering he could supply or not. You know, well, that's just great, but you're not the one that's $55 short in their bank account. Hey, uh, sometimes I'm a whole lot more short than that. <laughs> I get that. I know what it's like to work through it. But I also know that God's word is always true. That God is always true to his character. And he never fails. He never forsakes. He never forgets about us. And he always follows through on what he says he's going to do. Now, the question is whether or not we trust him to do what he said he was going to do. Omnipresent. Omnipresent. What does that mean? Now, a lot of people, when they talk about the, the omnipresence of God, it means that God is everywhere. Like God is there with the chair. God is in a tree. and God, that's, that's not what this is all about. It's like God is literally everywhere, permeating everything. And listen to this. This is what's cool. It's not just here, like in this world or in the universe, like God is ever present, God exists in eternity. Which means that God exists outside the plane of time that we're so accustomed to. We think minutes, 
hours, days, weeks, and months. God doesn't operate with that. God is not only ever-present in every area and every issue of our life, but God is present throughout all history. All history. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He is the, the beginning and the end. And Jesus, when he was talking, listen to this now. Jesus said a phrase that blew my mind one time. When God kind of, he, he said, listen, guys, before Abraham was, I am. It means he stands outside of time. And he is in the past. He is in the presence. And he is in the future. What does that mean? That means that God is with you on the stuff that you've gone through. He's where you are right now, and he's standing in the future on the other side of the issues that you're facing, looking at the solution that you haven't gotten to yet. His perspective is so much higher than ours. His understanding is so much deeper than ours. And his ability to make things happen would blow your mind. If we could really catch a picture of who God is and how he operates, it would unlock a level of trust in us that would confuse the mess out of the world because they don't understand. How can you have so much peace? How can you walk with so much confidence? How, how come you're not freaking out over the stuff that I'm freaking out on? Because I got a God that I know has always got my back, will always come through, will never let me down, and I don't have to stress over the stuff of life. All I have to do is make sure that me and him are tight in my relationship with him and that I'm careful to do what's written in his word to guide me through the issues that I'm going to face in this life. Because there's a biblical principle for every area of life and for every decision that we're ever going to make. God has given us the rule book and the tools for everything that we're going to need. He's given it to us. He's given it to us already. For every relational problem you're going to go through, the Bible tells you how to deal with it. For every stressful season that you go through where the money's short, the Bible tells you not only how to walk through that, but how to avoid a lot of it by following God's financial principles and putting him first in your finances so you can walk under his blessing instead of operating in a chaos that a lot of the world operates in. So that in the event that you do have the money, you can enjoy life and you don't have to be like so many celebrities that sell out to get the money and they're dead and they're empty on the inside. But so that you can enjoy a rich and bountiful life in more ways than material possession. You know, because God's motive towards us is Jesus said, I've come so that you can have life and have it to the full. God's desire for you as his child is to operate in his joy and in his peace, to operate in the passion and the purpose that he has for your life. God's motive towards you as his child is to pour his blessing out on you so you can be set apart as an example of his gospel to the world so that when the world looks at you, they see something different. They see a glow about you. They see, they see you walking around without the weight that they're carrying. He intends for you to live a blessed and abundant life, not to walk under the weight that a lot of us walk under because we try to take care of this stuff on our own. And that doesn't mean you aren't going to walk through difficult seasons in life because sometimes you do. And even when we walk through those difficult seasons in life, 
you have the trust that comes from your relationship with him to know that he's with you walking through it and he's on the other side of it waiting for you to get there with a solution to what's freaking you out right now. Are you hearing me this morning? What a lot of us do is we get all this clutter. And, like, there's stuff that you got to have in life. You go through life. There's stuff that you got to do. We've all got responsibilities, and we've all got things we have to be accountable for, people we're responsible to, jobs. How many of y'all work a job? Yeah, most of us in here, you're working a job. How many of y'all got kids? Yeah? All right. Because I know some of you are probably thinking, yeah, that sounds really good, Pastor Josh, but you don't live in my reality. Biblical principles are true. doesn't matter what your situation is. So we have these foundational things in life that we deal with and that we have to. I'm not spacing these out very well. If you're OCD, I'm about to freak you out. But I'll just right here. So you got foundational things. So you, you got your job, and you've got um, rent or your house payment and utilities and things you're obligated to, all right? Because we operate in this world that we live in. But what Jesus is saying here is that if you stay on this side of it and approach these things and these obligations... from my perspective, in relationship with me, and apply the word of God to your life, then these things are never going to hinder or block off or keep you away from who I've called you to be and what I've called you to do. You go through life, and there's a lot of stuff, man. You, you got the kids, and you start dating, and, and you marriage is in there with relationships, and how many of y'all are married this morning? A bunch of us. So, you know, marriage takes a little bit of time, commitment. And uh, if you got kids, that takes a whole lot of time, commitment. These boxes are just representative of different things in our lives. And you get busy and you start doing stuff. And once you start throwing responsibility and work and the kids on top of things, um, you're going to need this. So, you got to have coffee. Coffee's good. God created coffee. I love it. I always say on the seventh day when God rested, you know what he did? He kicked back and drank a cup of coffee because it was good. So, what we'll do is God's desire is for us to stay on this side of it and to see things from his perspective and to operate according to his word so that we stay on this side, on this side, of the things that we have to deal with in this life. But what we do sometimes is this. We see the obligations that we have and the needs that are there and the stuff that we feel like sometimes we've got to get our hands on to fix. And instead of trusting God, we move back here to get closer to this stuff and get a little more hands on. Now, I've already messed up because I put myself behind the issues of life instead of in front of the issues of life. Are y'all with me still this morning? 
So what we'll do is we'll start to fix things on our own. And we'll start to take our own solutions to the problems. Like if money gets tight, instead of honoring God and following through with his financial plan, we'll hold on to it and throw money towards what we perceive to be a bigger problem. Or instead of trusting him and being patient with him in our relationships because you're single and you're waiting for that person that God's supposed to have for you to marry someday, you know, and right now you feel like you just don't have it together in life because you don't have that person. Instead of trusting God to bring that person into your life as you get to that point one step at a time by trusting God now, you try to grab the reins and find that person yourself. And instead of moving in step with where God wants you, you grab the reins and try to just date everybody you can see and go on your own personal little search to try to find them. We, we create our own solutions to these problems. Instead of forgiving, we hold grudges and look for revenge. We, we create our own solution. And our solutions aren't solutions. Our solutions become hindrances to allowing us to get back to the right perspective on where God wants us. And what happens over time, by trying to do things on our own and not trusting God, are you hearing me this morning? We put ourselves in a place where we are trapped behind the obstacles of our situations and our circumstances so that we can't get out to be who God has called us to be or do what God has called us to do. Now all we can see is the stuff in our lives because it's right in front of us because we put ourselves behind the pressures and worries and issues of life. We lose sight of all the stuff we could be doing for the kingdom of God. We lose sight of his calling. We lose sight of the passion. We lose sight of the purpose. We lose sight of what we could be doing in ministry. We lose sight of what we could be doing to reach the world. We lose sight of the people that we could be showing the love of God to because we're too focused on our own crap that's going on in our lives. We're too focused on it, and we can't see past it, and we can't get around it because we had a better idea and a better solution. Guys, we can never operate this way because we will never be effective and productive as children of the Most High God if we fall into this trap in our lives. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things, all this stuff, all these distractions, all these hindrances, all this stuff that walls us in and prevents us from doing... Now, this is different stuff for different people in here this morning. But I bet you, if I was going to ask you, you could pick a situation, a face, a person, a circumstance, something that's going to be represented by this right here. Your own idea and your own solution to help God do what God already said he was going to do in your life. And it's jacking up your ability to serve him and operate in the peace that he's called you to operate in. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, it says in Matthew 6.33. Because his desire, his desire and the whole motive behind the word of God is not to be a book of rules to tell you what to do. It's to be guiding principles to help you have an overcoming life 
pressure-free, stress-free, and worry-free. Even if you walk through hell on earth, you can walk through hell on earth with peace and joy in your life and in your heart through a tough time, knowing you still serve a God that's in the future, working out the problems of today and standing in the solution that you're going to get to tomorrow. But not when we focus on this. Ephesians chapter 3. It's one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Verse 20, it says this, Now all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Infinitely more. See, this is God's will for our lives. That we trust in Him, and He is able to blow our minds and open up the doors and do more in and through and for us than we could think or imagine. That's the God we serve. Not this junk right here. Not this stuff. But the freedom that comes from operating according to the principles found in the Word of God. Now to me, I would choose that ten times out of ten over trying to handle things my own. How about you? How about you this morning? Man, man, oh man. Yeah. But I also know we're human. I also know we're the same human beings that failed in the garden. We're the same human beings. We're, we're still the same weakness that, that spoke through Peter when Peter had a better idea for Jesus than Jesus doing God's will. And Jesus had to rebuke him and said, you don't have in mind the things of God, only the things of men. Because our limited eyesight and our limited minds process and think in a temporal way we got to be careful that as children of God we don't fall into that trap and that we're at a place in our walk with him and our relationship with him where we have strong trust we have strong trust and that we're applying the truth of God to our lives so that we don't get caught up in these senseless complications we stay in front of it as examples of the kingdom of God doing what he's called us to do. Amen? Stand with me this morning.